Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Tuesday, November 14th. 2023. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to download, uh, subscribe, or listen to the podcast wherever you're seeing it on LinkedIn, on your podcast provider, on Facebook, on X, wherever I'm putting it. Hopefully, it's getting to you and you're finding value in it. As always, comments and suggestions and thoughts on the on the podcast are always welcome. Feel free to email me, hit me up on LinkedIn, what have you. But let's get into the news. There's quite a bit of it again today. Well, I get to every cyber news piece that happened. Uh, overnight, no. I will just get to some that I think are important and worth mentioning. Um, one of them actually is going to drive me to uh, write a Substack article today, um, which will be released later that you can read if you want to, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, let's go to the first one. Um, and this one uh, was an interesting article. It's not a current cyber incident per se, but it is another one of these examples of a postmortem. So thank you to Denmark. So this is from the register.com, Connor Jones reporting. Inside Denmark's Hell Week is critical infrastructure organizations faced cyber attacks. Zyxel Zero Days and nation state actors, maybe, had a hand in the sector's worst cyber event on record. Danish critical infrastructure faced the biggest online attack in the country's history in May, according to Sector Cert. Denmark's specialist organization for the cybersecurity of Critical Kit. Detailing the attack waves in a report, it revealed that 22 companies were breached in just a few days. Some were forced to enter island mode operation where they had to disconnect from the internet and cut any other non-essential network um, connections. In almost all cases, unpatched vulnerabilities in Zyxel, Z-Y-X-E-L firewalls meant companies meant compromise was possible. And in some, the attacks appeared well-resourced, exploiting vulnerabilities that weren't publicly announced, or zero days, if you will. So this article kind of goes on talking about this report, uh, and you can actually download the report and read it. The thing that I like about this, obviously, is it kind of goes into some of the methodologies used to do this. Um, Here's another paragraph. It turns out um, that an attack believed to be carried out um, by a different actor than they referenced earlier to use the organization's infrastructure part of the Mirai botnet. Um, the compromise then used to carry out a DDoS attack against two targets in the U.S. and Hong Kong. So a lot of things went on in this particular set of exploits. Um, and I praise Denmark's CERT for releasing this this particular um, report. And actually, the I will link to the PDF as well um, if you want to read the whole thing. It is, let's see if I bring it up here. It is, how long is this? It is not very long. It's, well, it's 32 pages. So I'm actually going to read this a little more today and kind of get into this and maybe discuss it more, but certainly something to look at. Um, and again, thumbs up to Denmark for doing that. Um, from cybernews.com. <laughs> sorry, had to sneeze there. My pot tried to try to block that. I think some of it got through. Sorry. Um, this is, uh, Ernestes Napper's reporting crypto exchange Polynix hacked. And they offer a 5% bounty on $144 million that was stolen. Um, after suspicious outflows of $114 million, cryptocurrency exchange Polynix has confirmed that it has been hacked. Polynix investor Justin Sun offered a 5% white hacker bounty. However, the adversary seems to be the notorious Lazarus Group from 
North Korea. The attack happened on November 10th. It was first observed by blockchain security firms Peck Shield and Cybers, which noticed multiple suspicious transactions in Polynex's hot wallet. Suspicious addresses received massive sums and transferred all else assets elsewhere, forcing Polynex to disable all withdrawal. So um, you can read, this is not a necessarily long article, it just kind of goes into um, a time frame of this particular attack. The point here being is if you are engaged in cryptocurrency, cold storage is your friend, is your friend, my friend. So if you have cryptocurrency, do not leave it on your exchanges, um, servers. That's a hot wallet. You want to download it onto a USB drive, which is a cold, which is called cold storage. Um, and you can then store that. Basically, that's what I did with mine when I had it. I had it all on cold storage on a little thumb drive that I kept in a safe in my house. No one was going to get to that. So it was encrypted. It had all sorts of protections, but you couldn't get to it without having access to the USB drive. So again, this is just a learning, this is a, a learning lesson for those of you engaged or thinking of engaging or who have family who engage in cryptocurrency transactions. You want to make sure to use cold storage. Again, more on there at uh, cybernews.com. Uh, also from cybernews.com, this is a this is an interesting article. I'm actually referencing two articles on the same incident because we're not sure if it's an incident yet. Um, this is from Vilius uh, Petkowskis reporting, Drago's cybersecurity claim by ransomware cartel. Drago's, which is an industrial cybersecurity services provider, was listed on the Alpha V ransomware gang's leak site, quoting a third-party breach. But Drago says the company's investigating the claims. And actually, I have another article here that came from Security Week where Drago says they found no evidence of a breach. So there may be a breach, there may not be a breach. This is something we probably worth paying attention to going forward over the next several days to see which who's right, either Alfie or um, Dragos. Uh, experience has shown that the ransomware groups are usually right, sadly to say. But anyway, it does say that they uploaded a post on Saturday that does not indicate what type of data they may have accessed. But the post alludes to threat actors obtaining the personal details of the company's executive. So in that case, if that is what they have, they probably obtained it via a third-party breach indicating Dragos systems were likely not impacted by the supposed attack. So um, this does not mean, obviously, and this is probably referencing Dragos's point, their systems were not compromised, but information about them was compromised from someone else. The extent we do not know, but I guess we'll find out here soon because according to Alfie, they say Dragos is asked to reach out within 24 hours or we begin the publication of both the facts and data of executive members. This is a, they even say this is a result of a third-party breach. Now, who they breached, hard to say, but again, goes to show that if you are Dragos and you are using a third-party provider, you didn't maybe do the right amount of uh, due diligence to make sure that their particular systems were safe. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes going forward. Dragos is a huge cybersecurity firm. And again, in this case, their, their, their system's not breached. Um, so anybody who saw my post on LinkedIn, um, I jumped the gun a little bit on that. But honestly, the, the article, I just referenced the article saying this is not good. But anytime your company's data is released, whether it's through a data breach of your own or someone else, it's still not good um, because of brand reputation, um, cost for cleanup, stuff like that. But anywho, uh, darkreading.com, Eric Noonan reporting, SEC suit ushers in new era of cyber enforcement. A federal, this is a subheadline, a federal push to enforce cybersecurity requir requirements is holding public companies and government contractors accountable as a matter of law and for national security. The SEC's lawsuit against SolarWinds for misleading cybersecurity disclosures didn't just make headlines, it made history. The case represents a seismic shift in regulatory expectations and enforcement around cybersecurity, particularly for public companies and government contractors. Organizations handling sensitive data now face a new area of accountability and scrutiny where meeting mandatory minimum cybersecurity standards is considered essential to fiduciary duty and 
again for federal contractors' national security. Make no mistake, this isn't just the SEC's flexing its regulatory muscle. SolarWinds is the opening salvo in a coordinated federal push to enforce cybersecurity requirements. The line in the sand everyone has been waiting for has finally been drawn. So we'll have to be interesting to see, and there's more to this you can read, obviously, to how this really goes going forward. Um, because obviously if you're publicly traded, there are certain requirements you now have. How are you meeting those requirements? Uh, and this is, goes in line with another article that came out today, or rather yesterday, um, so I credit um, Corey Munson from PCMatic for making me aware of this. Um, I'm reading this particular part from, this is actually from the New York, the governor of New York, this is from their website. So um, Kat, Governor Kathy Hochul of New York announced the release of a nation leading statewide proposed cybersecurity regulations for hospitals, which will help the state's hospitals establish policies and procedures to safeguard healthcare systems from growing cyber threats. Governor Hochul's fiscal year 24 budget includes 500 million in funding that healthcare facilities may apply to upgrade their technology systems to comport with proposed regulations. That's all good. Um, the problem is what we've seen is government regulations don't always mean good compliance. Okay. So this is, this particular article is actually going to lead me to write a little more on a Substack article about this particular plan. I mean, I, I, I credit New York state for trying to do something. My question is the methodology in which they're doing it. And this goes back to the sec suit, right? So we have the, the federal government doing this one thing, state government's doing another. So if you're a company, there are all these compliance requirements that are coming to you that you're going to have to pay attention to. But the question I have, as always, is who's enforcing? In this case, SEC is going to enforce it against public companies. So they have a little muscle to do that. Does New York State have it for what they're doing in the hospitals? Hard to say. Um, but then again, is it self-assessments uh, uh, or, you know, is it pinky swears? What are we doing here? But it just something to think about if you're a publicly co owned company, if you're a government contractor. Um, in government contracting, CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, is coming due pretty soon. Um, and then uh, debts are going to have to be paid. So we'll see how this all goes going forward. Is government regulation the way? It's the way we're doing now. So we'll see how it pays pans out. Um, when people start complaining to their senators who then say ease back, you know how it all happens, but we'll see what happens how it goes. Bleeping computer, uh, Sergey Gatlin reporting FBI, the Royal Ransomware asked 350, mil 350 victims to pay $275 million. The FBI insisted revealed a joint advisory that the, rans the Royal Ransomware gang has breached the networks of at least 350 organizations worldwide since September 2022. In an update to the original advisory published in March with additional information discovered during FBI investigations, the two agencies also noted that the ransomware operation is linked to more than $275 million and ransom demands. So I will link to the advisory. Um, there's value in reading those things. It goes into some information about methodologies, um, specific zero days, technical details. It's valuable from a, an intelligence perspective. So I'll have both. I'll have that listed in here as well. Um, but it goes to, it brings back the question, you know, do you pay the ransom? Do you not pay the ransom? How, what are we, how are we going to stop ransomware? I fear we're not going to stop ransomware just by wishing it away or coming up with ways to make victims more victimized, but it's certainly a problem that is not going away. And along with those lines from the hacker news, new ransomware group emerges with hive source code and infrastructure. The threat actors behind a new ransomware group called hunters international have acquired the source code and infrastructure from the now dismantled hive operations to kickstart its own efforts in the threat landscape. Let's be honest. Hunters international is members of hive. Let's we can hear that we're making it sound like this suddenly they just found it in a dumpster and decided to make their own ransomware group. It's members of hive creating something new, that sounds different to get them around sanctions, all those kind of things. So it's just going to be one of those things that you're going to see um, continue on with these criminal groups. Um, now, Hive was 
taken down as part of a coordinated law enforcement operation in January 23 just means that their infrastructure was taken down. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had backups, and here we are with this new group. So, again, it's a new ransomware group. You're going to hear more about Hunter Inter- Hunters International. Just remember that they're high when you go forward. Uh, and last thing is more, this last article is more of an op-ed from HelpNet Security, the real cost of healthcare cybersecurity breaches. And I referenced this one because of the thing in New York, but with each step towards digitalization, this is from Mirko Zors, sorry. With each step towards digitalization from cloud computing to electronic records, the healthcare sector faces mounting risks that threaten not just the privacy, but the very well-being of patients. In this help, and so this is an interview with Ta- Taylor Lehman, Director, Office of the CISO for Google Cloud, who discusses the critical conversations surrounding the ethical and legal responsibilities that healthcare providers must navigate in the wake of a data breach. He explores the severe implications of cyber threats that go far beyond financial loss potentially endangering lives and eroding public trust in healthcare systems. And one thing, if you've listened to this podcast at all, healthcare is constantly getting pounded by cyber attacks. So they're constantly being victimized. So this is a good article to read just to kind of see, just to learn from the healthcare infrastructure or healthcare industry, you know, some of these things that can be deployed and applied to other industries because everyone is a target, right? Every, you, you, you know, it's not like, Hey, I'm not in healthcare. I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't matter what industry you're in your company is being targeted by somebody for some reason. So this is a good, good lengthy article about things you can do um, to improve your cybersecurity um, uh, cybersecurity posture rather. Um, And if you're in New York, this kind of will go along with what governor Hochul is trying to do with uh, her cybersecurity regulations for hospitals. That's going to do it for today's version of the cyber smart morning news update. As always, you can uh, follow me on LinkedIn, follow me on any of my other social media stuff. Uh, Look for the Substack article coming out later today. If you want to read that, everything is at the cyber guy, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. Um, as always, thanks so much for listening, downloading, spreading the word. Um, I'm seeing more numbers going, going up slowly, but you know, I am just trying to serve those who want to, want to be served. So again, I appreciate it. Have a great Tuesday. We will talk again tomorrow. Cyber smart morning news is written and produced by cyber guy productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at the cyberguy.com. Or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.